But what I realised is that I never really had meetings with her, checked on her. Um, I didn't do all the things you're supposed to do. It was like I would just teach her how to sell. But I didn't do any, anything around culture or career progression. But you see, no one had ever done that for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things that you know now about leading people, uh, 30 years ago, you just kind of got people to sell and to do a good job and to do the job that you hired them to do. This week, I have a bonus episode for you from Russell Pearson's podcast, The Marketing Report, with a conversation with me about my business story from my early career teaching speed reading, then high school English, through graduating from film school and working in television, to founding my training company, Brainpower Training. Now it's over to Russell Pearson to introduce me as his guest on the Marketing Report podcast. Happy listening. Welcome to the Marketing Report. My name is Russell Pearson and this is episode number 98. The Marketing Report is a podcast for passionate yet frustrated business owners who are looking for a competitive edge. And today's discussion I'm going to have with a fantastic guest uh, is all about evolution, reinvention, and how to be specific in whatever market you're selling to. But uh, let's do the proper bio. Uh, Our next guest is a keynote speaker and author on team transformation and leading people. Her catchphrase is workplace culture is hiding in plain sight. Is yours toxic or flourishing? Host of management podcasts, manage self, lead others, and author of workplace wisdom from nine to thrive. Please make her feel welcome, my friend, Nina Sunday. Hello, everyone. <laughs> thank Hello, you. Russell. Hello, thanks Russell. Thanks for joining me. This is a conversation. So, Nina, thank you so much for joining us. And the reason why I wanted to speak to you uh, is because business adaption and um, uh, evolution, you know, that I'm interested in that side of thing. We've been uh, you know, friendly for, I don't know, five, six years or something like that. And in that time, what I've noticed is that you've got stories on stories and you've got history on all sorts of different areas of business and businesses that you've been a part of, a part of over the years. And I thought I need to get you on here to discuss lessons about sort of constant reinvention. And so I guess the place to start is at the end and then we can go back to the start, which is what are you doing now right. and, and where did you start? Fantastic. I'm really happy to uh, do that exploration. And um, where I am now, um, I have probably two or three products. Uh, COVID gave me the time to launch a podcast, Mm -hmm. which has a life of its own, Manage Self, Lead Others. And uh, that's sort of a lovely uh, thread in my life now. I get to talk to experts every every week or two. And uh, I find that I'm actually self-educating because I just... I'm at the point now where I, I look at a book on my shelf and I go, what questions do I want to ask that author? <laughs> oh, I'll invite them on the podcast. I just ask them my own questions. So 100%. you want free workshopping, but you have to do it elegantly, but you're actually sharing it to the whole world. But also I have my um, national training company, which I launched as Brainpower Training in 2001 when I took on board a, an angel investor. Oh, right? wow. And so we rebranded, and then I'll explain what I was before that. I've made e-learning in the format of a 30-day challenge because I found a platform that hosts it in a way that 
You just have to work out the design so it fits their platform. It's it's self-automating. So I can just, you know, um, re-switch it on. Uh, Once I've created it, I can switch it on as required. And I see it as a lead generator, not necessarily just to sell the seats, but also for my clients, it's a sweetener when I put it to a proposal. So... Uh, right now, you're st- you're still doing uh, workplace transformation work. You've got multiple trainers around the country. Is that what the, the model is? I do. I have at least two or three in each of the four major cities, but I've got another list uh, of 10 probably that, uh, depending on the specialty, like I've got a couple of um, organisational psychologists and if and that they might have a qualification in Herman brain dominance in- instrument. So. Yep. Only that person can do that instrument or Myers-Briggs or, or, or those. Yeah. And also I've got the rights from uh, the company to do Lencioni's Five Cohesive Behaviours, yeah. which is based on his five dysfunctions. It's like you've, you've got... Scalability. Uh, yeah, you've got scalability. You've got trainers in different areas. You've got specialists in those different areas. Uh, you you can supply what they need live, but also, sorry, in person or virtual. Uh, which is you know online, yeah. The um, and and it allows you the opportunity to still play, learn, and grow. Yeah. Because if you were just going around from state to state, yeah, I have to learn and grow. I've always been an avid reader. I've got a curious mind. Mm-hmm. I was a niched for ten years, speed reading and memory, and the business planner said. You must expand your reach. You must have time management, business writing. Oh, my God. And I went, well, I didn't do it all at once. And then I just, I went, oh, that's scary. I just know speed reading because that's how I started as a teenager. I was at university. It was uh, second year university. I was 19. And the speed reading company from America came to town with TV and radio advertising. And my uncle was went along to one of those uh, events and he signed up to do the course. He, he, he was a salesperson, uh, a company director, but he had uh, started his life as a teacher. And I think he saw an opportunity there and he was right mm. because he then talked to the, to the guy that was doing the, the intros, which was the Texan from the USA, and sort of said, well, I'm your man for the Brisbane office. And he was. So then I'm just I'm just doing my Bachelor of Arts in English. And then he said, oh, we, you do speed reading. And then, he, then afterwards he said, we want you to teach it. I'm thinking, I'm 19. How can I teach it? <laughs> I was not the extrovert that I have become. So you're 19, second year uni. Uh, your uncle has got this speed reading thing. He wants you to do it and he wants you to teach it. So you do the speed reading course. Yeah. Did it work? Big time. I ended yeah. up reading at 2,000 words per minute with excellent understanding. and they All right. It. So yeah. we're, we're a 19-year-old who can read 2,000 words per minute. Yeah. This has accelerated your learning, yeah? Oh, yeah. I got distinctions from then on. <laughs> <at uni. laughs> and I worked, I worked half the time. It was, it was amazing. And... Um, uh, I think I think I said yeah, we've got to see the speed reading course, and I've got to, I would love to actually get that done, but I'll get to that in a second. So speed reading suddenly your your brain gets an upgrade. <laughs> you, you're yeah. like boom, I can learn anything. So you become a trainer for speed reading. Um, how long do you do that for? 
look, off and on, there, there were because I went over to the States and had a travel trip. I'd gone to film school. I was doing it part-time while I was at film school. All right, so hang on. So were you starting to do film school when you first were there at 19? No, no, I was doing university. I've done seven years of full-time. Yeah, so what were you doing? What was the university piece you were doing? I was doing Bachelor of Arts and Diploma in Education. Then I left speed reading because I had to teach for a couple of years. Yeah, so you're always interested in the educational side of things. Bachelor of Arts tend to be like a a roadway to where where I need to go. Diploma in Education, and I was uh, teaching for the Queensland (laughs) Department of All Education. Right. So you so you start doing some travel, you start moving around, living your life, you uh, uh, come back to the training, you start doing that off and on. Yeah. When do you do the art? When when does the um, the film school? It comes comes a year after I sold Arena Wear and won a trip overseas because I realized while I felt like a tape recorder doing the presentation and I yes. went. And I was studying animation part time at, at TAFE. <laughs> See, I, I just every, everybody who's listening to this, <laughs> like there are, it's like, oh, no, I was studying animation. I was doing, I was like, okay. I am a millennial in a boomer body. It's it's 100% right. Yeah. A renaissance. And I had a portfolio career all my life. You know what's interesting um, is that I studied graphic design. <clears throat> that was my entry into the into the world that I'm in, uh, which you wouldn't think would be, but it was advertising, right? So it plays right into that. Um, I needed to do start start doing some marketing things, and so I taught myself how to do animation, right, from clay animation to illustrative animation, and I actually created some ads that were animation based, which means I needed to learn um, uh, film based. You know, skills to because yes. I filmed it, stop motion, and all the other things that go. That's right. right, I did all of that. So you are you're doing these educational pieces and like edu- like learn, apply, learn, apply, learn, apply. I did exactly the same path, except my, I didn't go to school for them. I I I, I applied, made mistakes, applied, made mistakes, which is a much more uh, painful process, I think. But it's, it's fascinating. We've got very similar backgrounds, but I didn't have the speed reading. Right. Well, I've got an online course, so you can have the speed reading. Yeah, 100%. And so everyone else, I hope, I hope they, they're they going to want that too. You you watch. It'll be the kernel that people want in this thing. So you, um, you've you gone through this thing. So how long? You did it for 10 years? Yeah, off and on, because I went overseas and had a trip and then uh, this was after film school and I gave myself a gap year. although. I spent three months focused full-time speed reading. I earned all the money to be able to afford to go and have a nice long trip. And then when I was coming back from New York, I phoned the speed reading office and said, I'll be in Australia in about a week. He said, we've got a job for you. <laughs> <laughs> so it was fine. Anyway, so it, that's what I say. It was off and on. But there was a point of which. The, the second owner, there were three owners, right? The first owner was the Texan, the second owner from California. Then, yeah, the third, yeah. the, then the third owner took over and that's when I left. Now, what had happened is just with that third owner, about the same time, that same person had said, we've been contacted by this community college. They've got a book called Speed Read Something or Other and they want, you to, they want one of our trainers to teach that course would you be willing to teach it as long as you don't teach? 
our secret stuff. I said, that's fine. And you know what? I'd been telling them to try this method and this method and this method all along. And they went, oh, I don't want to know. Don't want to know. <laughs> so then I went, right. Create this your own is method. my experimental group. And I would just make it up off the top of my head, make up an, an activity, and it worked. And at the end of the night, I'd sit down for half an hour and write down what I did. Oh, I love it. And, and, and that, that's such a big lesson for anybody here who is thinking of starting anything, creating any new product. The having people in the room to actually design the product with you is what it's all about. You can't do it on your own and then take it to market, expect it to work. They didn't know they were redesigning or designing. But they were. But they were the experimental group and it was working. What, did you, what was the big, uh, any learnings or challenges that you had from going from being sort of an employed trainer to actually running your own race? Well, so I'd had this little community group and I had a set of uh, a, a redesigned speed reading course and I got a job as a conference coordinator for the uh, company that was called BIS Shrapnel. They were doing an international conference and so I was just on a project to organise their conference. But at the time, I sat down and did the goals for my life. And I wrote down what are five topics that I could go self-employed with. And there were things like NLP. I knew enough about that, neurolinguistic programming, dolphins. I was, I'd been doing dolphin awareness night. And then it was things like I win awards and prizes. I have my own office. Uh, I just designed and I had 43 steps, if you like. And then I looked, I typed them up, I looked at them and I went, I think speed reading's the one. And then I sort of blinked and saw dollar signs, but it was a lot harder than that. <laughs> but I just blinked and went, saw dollar signs. I went, that's it. That's it. So that's when I actually started promoting my own course uh, as Accelerate. Oh, I think I started as Read Faster. Yeah. And then I got Accelerated Reading and Learning. Yeah. And I did that for 10 years. So you already knew how to sell when you came into it. You already yes. know how to do the production, which is to teach. Um, what what were the challenges in actually running a business? So you, you had two of the very strong pieces, which is that you know how to do the thing, you knew how to sell the thing. Um, uh, did, you, did you struggle with the financial side of things or did that come naturally to you? Uh, the, the finances were going great because as long as you do telemarketing and fax outs and mail outs, we were, we were doubling up my, I was, the, the business turnover was doubling its income every year. So this was like year three. I'd proven that it worked. And then the day I got the, the, this, this young woman that had uh, sold advertising for the Manly Daily started her job, I went, I can't have a full-time living in my home. And I went out and got an external office. But what I realised is that I'd never really had meetings with her, checked on her. Um, I didn't do all the things you're supposed to do. It was like I would just teach her how to sell, but I didn't do any, anything around culture or career progression. But, you see, no one had ever done that for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things that you know now about leading people, uh, 30 years ago you just kind of got people to sell and to do a good job and to do the job that you hired them to do. Well, I learned and that one the hard way as well. Like I had people turning over every two years and I'm like, like, this seems too quick. And then I find out that it is. 
and then I give them a pathway and it, it averaged out to four. And I was like, well, that's, that's a bit more reasonable <laughs> instantly just by letting them know that there was a future. Exactly, exactly. I didn't do that. No one had ever done that for me. It's the reason I left ABC television. I had a lovely job. I managed to fit that in after film school. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. just throw it away. Yeah, ABC television, yeah. Yeah, but you see, I wanted to be an executive producer. Okay. And I was being hired as a production manager to do cash flow forecasts and scheduling and pay bills. And then when I'd found a mentor somewhere in some other department that said, oh, yes, we'll train you to be a director in the studio, then crunch came, oh, we've the budget is cut by the Australian government. I actually have to get rid of directors, so I, there's no pathway for you. <laughs> and my immediate supervisor had never asked me, where do you want to be in the organisation? Now, I didn't think that I could negotiate and I say this is where I want to go. But, you see, even that, I look back now and I go, why weren't you more assertive, Nina? Yeah, well, it's the old adage that um, business is the best professional and even personal development course you can ever do. The big thing for me is to understand that you you don't just focus on results. You have to focus on, uh, look, just having a meeting with a staff member that says, now, oh, what are all your tasks? Which ones do you love? Do you have one or two that you dislike? And I've, I started doing that just intuitively because I would always wish somebody had done that with me. What's the one or two things you dislike? And I remember when, when I had a big office and we had five or six staff doing that with our um, gap year student. She was mm-hmm. grade 12 between that and university. She said, I don't like doing this and this. I said, oh, really? Well, I'll just see who else in the office wants to do it. We were able to hand that off. And she was happy because I wanted her to stay for the whole year. And now, and now it's interesting because you you train um, workplace culture, uh, and you talk about nine to thrive and all the, all the things that go around that. And there's that old, uh, and I just keep throwing out old adages. I should probably stop it. But the the one around, uh, you know, we we teach the thing that we have the the greatest challenge around. But I think the actual reality is we teach the thing we had the greatest challenge around. Yeah. The thing I think is worth noting for everyone listening is that you. Um, while there were challenges, you know, uh, frustrations in the financial stuff, in the HR stuff, the business was still continuing and making money because you could sell and you could you could implement. Yeah, yeah. And, and well, here's the thing. If people didn't sell, it was very easy to say, I'm sorry, your, your results aren't up to scratch. Yeah. You're not happy here, are you? <laughs> <laughs> You're not happy here. Yeah, I'm not because I can't make any sales. The um, uh, now this conversation could go forever, but I'll, I'll um, there's one piece in particular I want to dive into, which is the chunk between moving from um, speed reading to broadening your services. There was some advice yes. given to you uh, yes. through a, a marketing and a, a business plan um, yes. to broaden. How do, how do you feel about that now? About not staying to your lane and I'm interested to know how you feel about that because we, we go full circle and sometimes we go, well, niching, if I had been the person in that thing, I could have just owned it globally. And what did it give you by broadening out? Oh, it gave me interest. I was starting to feel like a tape recorder. Yeah, okay. And it was a new challenge. And what I did is I did things that were within my skill set to begin with. We, we, we actually decided to create a new product, which was speed reading 
video. We just started with speed reading DVD, then uh, memory, super memory DVD. And then I had to work out what's my next topic. I went, look, if there's one topic I've learned in 12 years of business, it's time management. So I bought 20 books on the topic, sped read them all, uh, created a script. I actually gave myself a week in the Wit Sundays to actually write the script four to, four to six hours a day. By the end, like this is a, a for auto cue, right, to, to deliver it in the studio. So it started with a video, but then once I had the, had the video, I then actually had the training course and then we did public courses and then we offered it as um, a topic. So time management, business writing, because I had a, a, a literature degree, so I, I know English, like the, I was an English teacher for two years, and um, uh, then the third one was customer service. And then for customer service, see, I'm the sort of person I don't want to shoot from the hip, I want best practice. I contacted the Customer Service Institute of Australia. It coincided with them doing a training course for people to assess the international standards. I didn't know there was such a thing as an international standard in service. I thought, oh, I do good service. You don't know what you don't know. So you look at best practice. I got trained up in the as an assessor, and that was all I needed because I then had a very nice relationship and still do with the Customer Service Institute of Australia. And I always say after a, tr- a company has done our course, now get involved with the CSIA because you've just started the journey and it is a lifelong journey, customer service. You could win an award. You could get assessed for the uh, for the standard. And so... Um... I could pull out some lessons out of what you've said, but I'd love you to pull out a couple. What what have you learned through your journey? Because it has been a journey. There's so many different things that you've done over that time and you're still enthusiastic about business and the business you're in. So what, what can people take from that? My biggest mistake is that I didn't understand that you have to bring people on board with you, you can only travel as fast as your slowest hiker. This is something I've got to keep remembering, that uh, the skills that you've got and experiences that you've had that other people do not, which means that they don't have the same lens. They, don't, they, they haven't worked at ABC television. They haven't done speed reading. They haven't understood, well, you probably get all your people to do speed reading, but they, they, they haven't uh, gone through the process of selling something that they don't know yet and a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. And uh, so there's lenses that we work or walk around in our own lives with, you know, forgetting <laughs> that we're wearing them <laughs> and uh, people are looking at the world very differently. But can I tell you, the, the tr- this is for small business owners now and also for anybody, any corporates, if you want, I, I hear corporates all the time saying we just can't get good people or we lack resources. Interns are the way forward. Because an intern, if you pay an intern, you can get 30 days. And if they're happy, they can stay on as a part-time, one-day-a-week person. But they don't need career progression. And small business can't isn't doing hierarchy. You don't need a new manager. You're the business owner. If you've only got 10 staff, you maybe don't need someone to think, I'm going to progress to be a manager. But also, they come in, they are the brightest minds, They'll often go on to be a doctor, uh, a, uh, a policy advisor. Yep. They go on to a main, they're captains of industry. You have the gift of them for six months or 12 months 
one day a week or you could if it's a gap year four days a week mm-hmm. and honestly you they, they're, they're motivated they don't lose motivation because I actually found the answer to why people got motivated demotivated in well in a business where you're just busy doing stuff it's Charles Handy's work he's he's a one of the top thinkers in the world. You might have heard of Peter Drucker. He's the second thinker. He's thinker 49 of the great 50 thinkers. All right, give it to us. Thinker number two. This is called setting anticipation. She's she's putting it out there. Charles Handy, he wrote um, the empty, what is it, the empty raincoat and also the age of paradox. I read it and I went, this is it. It's the sigmoid curve. It's the S curve. Is that, well, it, all things that go up must come down. When people start in a job, they're, they're, they're motivated, they're excited, they're interested, they're learning, and then this is where the manager or the owner makes the error. They go, right, they know the job, I'll just leave them alone to do the job. That's where what, goes, what, go, what plateaus must come down. And what he says is you have to start a second curve. Now, what did you do, Russell, that shifted from having people work for you for two years to working to you for four years. I have a feeling it's part of this sigmoid curve. Yeah, I, I my, mine wasn't a career progression because of the size, exactly what we're talking about. Right. But it was a knowledge progression. So, yes. uh, yeah, we, uh, what is the new thing we're going to learn? What is the new step we're going to take? That's it. People need to feel that they're making progress. And also you as the business owner have a duty to give them training or experiences that they can put on their CV so that will propel them into their next role. And if you can tell them this, look, I know you're not going to be with me forever, but I want you to be, I want you to grow inside this role so you can with confidence apply for your next role in a few years time. So it's this whole, you start a second curve, you create something new, which is you maybe rotate them from the job they're in to another job, role, and yeah. then you hire somebody else. Especially if somebody leaves, you could actually uh, move them into that role. So um, thank you so much. And I think that the other thing that's worth noting as a lesson from even just this conversation um, is you've stayed true to, to you. Uh, you're you're a very uh, you know Renaissance magician type um, uh, learner. There's like you, you you're you're constantly on the search for new and interesting things. So had you decided to stay in that one space, you may have been able to make a larger impact uh, and own that 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 sector. But you would have got bored with it. And if if the passion wasn't there, the the, the business would have died. So. Um, amazing uh, story and I really appreciate your time with us. My pleasure. It's, it's been a lovely journey of into the past, present and future with you, Russell. Thank Fantastic. You. So where can people find out more about you, connect with you online? Well, I'm on LinkedIn and uh, other social media, but ninasunday.com is my speaking site and brainpowertraining.com.au is the uh, is all the training and uh, uh the uh, 30-day challenges really is what I really think is the way of the future because people globally can uh, can participate in a challenge because you just get notifications on your phone. If it comes at 8 a.m. here, it's uh, 5 p.m. over there. So, <laughs> <laughs> 
Fantastic. Oh, well, I really appreciate your time. Uh, it's fantastic to have you on here and I'll put stuff in the show notes as right. well. Uh, for everyone who's listening to this, uh, make sure after you listen to every single podcast on the marketing report uh, schedule that you go and look at Nina's podcast as well, Manage, Self, Lead, Others. Uh, that's another great resource for you, which you'll actually get to see uh, more of Nina's inquiring mind and the, th- the conversations she loves to have. Um, if you are interested in uh, either starting your journey, looking at your own hero's journey, what is the next step for your business? Feel free to come and actually have a chat to me. We can just have a quick brainstorm and explore what are the next steps for you in your business life. Until next time, stay passionate and I will catch you on the next one. Bye for now. Stay passionate. I trust you enjoyed this recent episode from Russell Pearson's podcast, The Marketing Report, and hearing about the evolution of my career and how I fell into speaking and training, starting with speed reading, then progressing to productivity, communication, and leading people. You can find The Marketing Report via your favorite podcast app or at russellpearson.com. Until next time, enjoy good things. Nina Sunday is on a mission, helping leaders transform culture. Nina travels from Brisbane, Australia for in-person presentations Australia-wide. Certified virtual presenter, Nina Sunday presents virtually, globally, for any time zone. To book Nina Sunday CSP to speak at your conference, visit ninasunday.com to request a proposal. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.